Okay, Ella, I'm going to go ahead and read the thing. In 1976, the British Isles experienced a bizarre and dangerous combination of drought and heat wave. The summer and autumn of 1975 were very dry, and the winter that followed was the driest it may have ever been. By August, Parliament had to pass the 1976 Drought Act to ration water. Parts of Britain went 45 days between rainfalls. Crops failed. Forest fires broke out if somebody looked at them wrong. Once August had ended, though, several huge storm systems came roaring through in September and October, ending the drought. This was very serious. People died in the extreme heat. But it also had an unforeseen consequence, one that's still talked about by European entomologists and enthusiasts. A plague of ladybirds, ladybugs to us Americans, swarmed over Britain. At their height, somewhere in the numbers of over 26 and a half billion of them. On this episode of Relative Disasters, the 1976 British Ladybird Plague. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where I get to scream into a void, put that void into a podcast, and send it out to my sister and anyone else who feels like listening. I enjoy talking with my much cooler big sister about all the terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars that tend to distract me. My name is Greg, my sister's name is Ella, and Ella, today we're going to be talking about a whole lot of ladybugs. Out of respect for our British listeners, I'm going to curb my Americanness and call them ladybirds for this episode, but please forgive me if I forget. Our main sources for this episode come from a number of retrospective articles, including Remembering When Ladybirds Attacked from the Dorset Echo, published in August of 2018, Could the Ladybird Plague of 1976 Happen Again by Justin Parkinson for the BBC, published in March of 2016, Do You Remember the Ladybird Plague of 1976 from the Lancashire Post, also published in August of 2018, as well as some contemporary articles from the summer of 1976, and one very kindly and informative listener who wrote in to tell us her own experiences during that summer. So the British Isles are home to 46 different species of ladybirds, but the one we're going to focus on today is the Cochinella septempunctata. Septempunctata, that is literally an incredibly punk name. Uh, which is the seven-spotted ladybird, so named for the number of spots on their back, which number greater than six and fewer than eight. They live all over the world, and they are great helpers for farmers and gardeners because they love to chow down on aphids, thrips, whiteflies, and the eggs and larvae of a good number of other insects you generally don't want in your garden. Their beautiful red coloring lets everybody know that they would not be a good food, and they are generally pretty chill, helpful little bugs. Interesting note. Ladybugs, or ladybirds in the United Kingdom, are a type of beetle. Uh, In fact, entomologists correctly use the term ladybird beetles or lady beetles to avoid confusion with true members of the Hemiptera family of insects. Now, the ladybirds have been around for a very long time. First of all, there's over 6,000 living species of ladybird, and there are some in the, uh, the fossil record dating all the way back to the early Eocene period, around 53 million years ago. So the drought of 1976 in Britain, Wales, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Scotland was brutal. 
Reservoirs dried up to the point where people could go walking through the remains of the villages that had been flooded to form those reservoirs. It was wild. Britain had to appoint a minister of drought to be in charge of the response. Uh, One of his suggestions, famously, was to have people save water by bathing together, so it wasn't all bad, I suppose. However, this was a very, very, very serious time. Water was strictly rationed, and... Now, as we know from our locust plague episode, weird extremes in weather means that certain insect populations will crater and some will explode. Many insect life cycles can adjust quickly to weird situations and climate. And that's how, by late July, 26,650,000,000 ladybirds were swarming the eastern and southern coasts of the Isles. So what caused our favorite whimsical rain predictors to swarm in such record numbers And why were they biting people? Well, their primary source of food is the aphid, a truly fascinating little destructive insect. Uh, Aphids feed by sucking sap from plants, which weakens the plant in great enough numbers, they outright kill it. They can also be a vector for spreading viruses that target plant life, and they spread a lot of these uh, molds that are sometimes called sooty molds as well. They are also incredible breeders, with some female nymphs being born pregnant with the next generation. In a pinch, aphids can reproduce asexually, and they can ride out the winter in their well-insulated eggs. So, what do you get when you have a rapidly reproducing life form? Well, you get a number of predators that eat them, hence their rapid reproduction, and one of their best predators is the humble ladybird. While ladybirds don't tend to stay in one place for long enough to, say, clean out mom's rosebush from the aphids infesting it, simply having them nearby can be hugely beneficial to farms and gardens. The dry, mild autumn and winter from 1975 through the spring of 1976 created a boom in the aphid population. Without needing to hide away in their eggs as long, they emerge sooner and reproduce sooner than they usually do in the year, which had the ripple effect of causing the ladybird population to follow suit. When food's plentiful, go eat it. And eat it they did, with the mild winter also having helped the ladybirds, um, because they usually winter under forest decidua, leaves and dead limbs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, That helped them to emerge sooner and reproduce earlier as well. For a while, the population boom evened out. There were a lot more aphids, sure, but there were a lot more ladybirds to eat them. There were a lot more ladybirds, but there were a lot more aphids to be eaten. Then the effects of the drought began to ripple down through the food web. The plants starved, so the aphids starved. And then the aforementioned 26.5 billion ladybirds started to starve, and they began to swarm desperately looking for food as they starved by the millions. Now, this swarming behavior, while extremely unsettling to the human population, served as a very important function. Calories were few and far between, so the swarm could operate to use less energy than the individuals. The beaches of the southern British Isles were carpeted with starving, dying, desperate, and dead ladybirds. What little water remained in public pools usually had a thick layer of dead ladybirds floating atop them. Reports came flooding in of ladybirds biting people, most likely as a defensive response rather than trying to, you know, eat a person. They would also try to rehydrate off of people's sweat and would swarm ice cream cones, desperate for the sugar and hydration. Everywhere people went, especially on the coast, 
where the ladybirds were hemmed in by the sea, there was a grim layer of ladybird husks crunching underfoot or rattling in the breeze. In some populations, it was so deep that people needed to bring out snow shovels to clear them away. When the rains finally came in September, it washed away the dead bugs and ended the drought. Though some predicted an even bigger swarm would come the following summer, the seasonal cycle into 1977 was much more of its usual self. The aphid population numbers corrected, and the ladybird population numbers followed suit. There have been ups and downs in the general population since then, whether by parasites, weather events, or just the pull of natural cycles. A swarm of this particular size has never been repeated. At least, not yet. With milder winters comes more aphids, as farmers worldwide are having to manage. So far, the worldwide ladybird population has responded proportionally, but the conditions are there for another possible plague. In fact, scientists are now tracking aphid and ladybird population as a possible bellwether for just how bad the changes in climate could get. While a... Aphid population explosion could be devastating to crop life worldwide. A ladybird population explosion may not follow suit as they have been slowly but surely pushed out of their natural habitats. Now, there are some species of ladybird that are not friendly, uh, particularly Harmonia axaridis, which is native to East A Eastern Asia, but has found its way into Africa, Europe, and the Americas. These are the ones that we typically see in the fall, swarming on towards trying to find places to, to ride out the winter. They can be pests. They can eat uh, crops instead of other things. And people do get bitten by these, particularly as their food sources tend to dry up for the winter. And that's it. That is the story of the 1976 Ladybird Plague, a short episode today. Here at Relative Disasters, we make sure to fact-check our work to bring you the most accurate disaster possible. If you'd like to know more about our sources, they're cited at the beginning of the episode. Sometimes we do make mistakes, of course, so if you have any thoughts to share or corrections we need to know, please write to us at relative.disasters at gmail.com. We cannot respond to emails, but we do read each one. Or if you'd like to shame us publicly, and you know you do, why not try our Instagram, at relative.disasters. A big thank you to our patrons who support us on Patreon. You guys are great and help, help us justify keeping this podcast ad-free. We'd like to thank our major disasters, Katie and Georgia, for their support. And this week's episode was brought to you by Shira, who would like to remind everyone that insects have six legs, therefore a centaur is an insect. And by Rappel, our resident ladybird circus trainer. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed the story, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Ella, next week we're going to South Korea to talk about the largest non-wartime loss of life in the country's history, an entirely preventable building collapse that caused real change and reform throughout the country. On the next episode of Relative Disasters, we're going to talk about the Sampung Department Store collapse. Have a good week, and I'll see you then.